And of course, those that are joining us uh, online as well, uh, we are super grateful to have you uh, with us tonight. If you would, let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6, and we're going to the 12th verse. Hallelujah. It says, Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Um, I want you to understand that with every faith uh, requirement or request or with everything that comes by faith, um, there is a fight. And the problem that most people have with manifesting their faith properly is that they don't understand that the fight is not what they think it is. Um, in other words, if I want to have victory over your life, all I got to do is put you in a wrong fight. See, in other words, <clears throat> if I told you that, you know, we're boxers, you are a boxer, I am a boxer, and we set up a match. And before the match starts, I put you in a different arena against Mike Tyson. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen any videos of him even lately. That dude is unbelievable. On a bad day. Do you understand that if I put you in the wrong fight, then I automatically win? And one of the challenges that people don't understand is that Satan works very hard and diligently to put you in a different fight, one of which you cannot win. And as long as you follow his schemes and strategies, you will then succumb to what it is that he's trying to do in your life. So... When the Bible says fight the good fight of faith, can anybody tell me what's a good fight? The one you win. What's a bad fight? So then there is a fight to faith. And then it's interesting because he says lay hold on eternal life. To lay hold on it. Um, if you were to, can I borrow your pen for just a second? She's offered me her pen, right? Do I have it? Is it offered to me? So then, do I have a right to have it? But do I have it? I never have it until I lay... Once I lay hold on it, then what? I have it. A lot of people don't understand that faith cometh by hearing. But faith just shows up by hearing. It doesn't get released by hearing. It doesn't function by hearing. It just shows up. So the pen just shows up when she offered it. But that doesn't mean that I get to walk in the promises of what that pen can do. And so if I don't take the pen and I go to write something without a pen, how many of you know no matter how gifted, no matter how talented, no matter how good looking, 
I'm getting nowhere fast. And people don't understand that you have to lay hold of eternal life. You have to lay hold of it and discern and understand that it belongs to you. And when you begin to realize that with your salvation come certain things, it's, it's stupid to, to jump in a pool and be mad you're wet. Right? It just water's wet. We, we know that. And so it just comes with the territory. And so it says, where out thou art also what? Called and has professed a good. Profession is the same word as confession. Or in other words, what you say. Having professed a good statement among what? So then <clears throat> fighting the good fight of faith brings you to a place where you start to understand there are enemies or hindrances to your faith. And so then, like we said, if faith cometh by and hearing by the, then we know, according to Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God, then we know faith will show up, but that does not mean you have released it until you have made a good confession among just your church folks. Just just every once in a while, your spouse. So then my confession is a tied to the releasing of my faith. So then by what you say, no matter how much you go, oops, I really didn't mean it like that. Let me let me show you First uh, Corinthians one five. That in everything ye are enriched by him, in all utterance, in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, verse seven, so that ye come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you come behind and no gift. How many of you understand that a lot of believers are coming behind? In other words, instead of being in front, you are coming short. And you're coming behind or you're short because of, go back to verse 6, verse 5, that in every, that everything ye enrich by him in all utterance and all knowledge of him. So then from the, the greater knowledge of God that I have, the greater faith that I can have. The more I know what he's promised me, the more I can operate from a place of faith because I can get an image for what he said because faith cometh by hearing. And even when you speak, you must understand that you are listening to yourself. See, this is why you, when you teach kids their ABCs, you teach it to them by song. A, B, C, D. Oh, you know it. <laughs> See, they don't know any more about what A or B or C or D is. They just know it by the song. 
It isn't until you get older that you begin to put sentence, words and sentences together to have some level of comprehension, but there's a development that starts at a certain place. So let's look at 2 Corinthians um, 5.17. So knowledge becomes the, the important piece to all of this, right? <clears throat> and so... <clears throat> Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? Do you understand a new creature is not a better creature? I, I have, you have to get this. A new creature is not a better creature. So, <clears throat> in other words, if you are driving a 1962 Pinto today, and I say to you, I brought you a 1964 Pinto. Is it better? Maybe. Possibly. <laughs> right? It's two years old. It's two years younger. But is it new? So it isn't new until you understand that that word creature means a species. I'm not buying you a new monkey. I'm buying you something that there hadn't even been classified yet. There's no words to explain what it is because there's no species for it yet. So you look at it and go, what's this? <laughs> and uh, I don't know. We've never had one before. Then he says, all things are, behold, how many things? Become. So then, if any man beware, where? <clears throat> so how do I, is there a place? Is there like a store called Christ? Is there a car called Christ? I can get in it and I can be in Christ. So then therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a what? He's a different species. He's something that no one's ever seen before. She's something that you can't even give words to nor describe. Because she's so different when she's in Christ. When she's in Christ, she becomes everything that she ever did in her life, everything that he ever did in his life, every mistake he's ever made, every problem, every strife he's ever stowed up, every, everything that he's ever done, every uh, pipe he's ever smoked, every person he's ever slept with, every single thing that he's ever done, every single thing she has ever done, every mistake she's ever made is now passed away and is dead. Now passed away is dead. And that means it's gone. You can't dig. You could dig it up and walk around like weekend at Bernie's with it, you know, hunched over your back if you want to and carry all the dead things with you. But from Christ's perspective and God's perspective, if you have been in Christ and you are born again, then all of the other things that have ever happened are now dead and everything in my life becomes new. My body becomes new. My, that's why don't ask me about my family history and what happens in here and whose grandmama had this and whose grandpappy had this. It does not matter because I am a new species. I'm a new creature. My body was redeemed. 
from sickness. I was redeemed from poverty. I was redeemed from lack. I don't care how my mother thought it was. I don't care how my dad lived his life. It doesn't matter because the moment that I became in Christ, I became something that nobody seems to be able to understand what I am. Nobody seems to get what I am other than other people who are the same species as me. Now we talk the same language. So we understand and recognize each other because we have been called out from darkness into light and now we are different. Which means all the old stuff. See, now I'm different. So when you want to feed me bananas, I used to be a monkey. So when you hand me a banana, the only good thing with bananas is the same thing with coleslaw. Throw it in the trash. <laughs> because I'm new. I'm different. My, my, my diet is different. My life is different. My desires are different. My world is different. My language is different. My attitude is different. Now, in order to deal with me, you got to get to understand. <laughs> this is why you got to be careful with people who don't like you. You think they don't like you because you've done something wrong. They don't like you because they don't understand you. And just because a person doesn't understand you does not make you wrong. You can hate me all you want to. But I think what you ought to do is if you like what I have, you ought to try to figure out how to be like me so you can have what I have because my God is no respecter of persons. So quit hating and participate. So then he says that... Old things are passed away, and everything has become what? Look at Isaiah 43, 25. Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy for my own sake, and I will not remember thy sins. <clears throat> You know, the, the nature of forgiveness is the closest thing you can do to being like God. A lot of people think, and one of, the, one of the challenges with medicine is that doctors, some, not all, some, can develop a God complex. Because they have learned that they can heal life, bring life into the world, they can watch life go. They feel that they have some level of control as it regards life, which means that from that point forward, they believe that they have a God type complex. So then they think that or some people think that because I can give or I can fix your problem, you need money and I've got money so I can help you. Then I become like. But the greatest thing that makes a person like God is the ability to forgive somebody. That is, listen, 
Y'all know how to, well, I'm going to speak for myself because y'all are like brand new right now. You know how it is when you deal with somebody that has done something to you. And here they come wanting something from you and you're like, yeah. You fitting to die because if you waiting on me to help you, you better figure out a whole nother program because if you your whole situation relies on me helping, the devil is a lie. Oh, no, not you, right? Why does he say I blotted out for my own sake? Because I can't deal with you if I'm thinking about all the things you've done wrong. So then when people struggle with thinking that God is waiting to hit them over the head for all the stuff you've done wrong. And he says, in order for me to deal with you, I have to forget. Because even if you stole a paperclip, that is an offense to me that you should die. But you want to grade it. Well, it wasn't that bad. I mean, I just a little white lie. It wasn't that serious. I only told a little lie. So it's not that bad. I mean, I'm, at least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I mean, dear God, they're sleeping with five people, and they're, they're, they got five husbands, and the one they're with ain't, got, ain't a husband. That's how we do. Never realizing, never realizing that you not walking out the plan of God is offensive to him. You not being where God placed you and connected to what God connected you to is offensive to him. And offense worthy of death. So he says, in order for me to deal with you, <laughs> you ever get around somebody you just can't stand? And, and, and you, you, you can't even look at them. So you look at your shoes, they're talking to you. <laughs> You're like, really? Get out of here. You don't say. Girl, quit. Really? Get out of here. You don't say. Because you ain't listening. You're just giving a response perfectly time when they take a breath. And God's telling you, because I don't want to do that to you, I have to blot out everything you've ever done. I got to blot it out. So that when you come to me, that's why the Bible says, come boldly. See, you know, <laughs> today, I think any preacher's family knows that every story is subject to public discussion. <laughs> if you are in a preacher's family, you just, you just come to know that. My child, right? I, I, we were having a meeting. I was working on some stuff for the kids' area, putting some bench covers together and stuff, and uh, my wife and I were doing that, and then, it just time started running, getting away from us, right? So I'm hungry. So now we go sit down and eat lunch, and I'm thinking uh, Ari's Nana's in town. So Nana has been running interference for us, which is awesome. But they ate. <laughs> right? They ate. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I go sit down. I got my food, you know, feet swinging. I'm like, this, this is about to be Here she come. Climbs up in my lap. Hey, Dad, what you got? First of all, you mean what I got, not what we got. <laughs> so we clear. I said, I thought you ate. She's a, she don't even answer. 
So I'm like, Shayna, didn't this child eat? Yeah, she ate, and she goes along about her business. She's not catching the signal. So next thing you know, everything I had, we splitting. And it's amazing to me how because of the relationship, she can come boldly before the throne. That's why the Bible says that about you. That you can come boldly before the throne of grace and obtain help and mercy in your time of need. That you have the ability to step up into his lap even though you just ate. Even though you should have had your fill. Even though it wasn't yours in the first place. But you have the ability because you said I blotted out all of your transgressions. And all you have to do is come boldly to the throne. Because your boldness is a representation of our relationship. So after she ate half all, all my food. <laughs> then she got a nerve to say, Papa, can I have some of your drink? I said, you know what? That's it. You are cut off. Go ask your mother. See, and then, and then she hit me with this. What? You don't like sharing with me? I said, oh, you dirty scoundrel. <laughs> How dare you remind me of our relationship and bring me into remembrance? Now you got me feeling like I got to give you something. <laughs> so I did make her get up and go get her mother just so y'all know <laughs> my, my kindness does have a limit <laughs> after you ate my food anyone drink my drink I don't think so I told her get on Felicia <laughs> so <laughs> Matthew um now let's go to 1 Corinthians 9.27. What people do not understand is that the scars in your life are on your body and not on your spirit. See, I have a scar on my knee that I got when I was probably about 11, maybe 10, 11, 12-ish, somewhere in there. I was coming down a corner and I was going around the turn and I leaned into the bike a little too much, and I, and I laid it down. And I skint right down to the white meat. And I still have the scar today because it took it right down to the bone. But how many of you know I don't feel the pain? And when I look at the scar, I don't feel the pain all over again. But I have a memory of what happened. But I don't feel any of the pain. People don't understand your body is not your spirit. You are a spirit. You live in a body and you possess a soul. This is why when people struggle with gender confusion, they don't understand that your sexuality is not your identity, it's an assignment. Whatever you're assigned with, that's what you are. And it's interesting because even people who've been given both only one works. Even, even in genetic mutations where they have both, only one works properly. So what I want you to understand is your body is not you. 
So then if your body is not you, then when he says, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. In other words, I still have to keep myself in line. The scars are not in my spirit, but yet you allow them to be. The scars are on your body. You will remember. But if you allow that to interfere with your relationship with God, if you allow that to dictate how you spiritually respond to God, then he says, I end up being a castaway if I don't keep my body under subjection. He referenced his body as if it's something that's not him. And when you begin to understand, just because you remembered it, doesn't mean it's you. Just because you messed it up and it affected you, doesn't mean that's still you. That's like you walking around, you drove a car, you had a car accident, you totaled the car, but you walked away perfectly fine. So they check you out, they say you are perfectly fine, not a scratch on you. And then for the rest of your life, you walking around with a limp. The car took the hit, not you. The body took the hit, not you. You have been made alive unto God. And if you're made alive unto God, then spiritually you are a new creature in Christ. Which means that whatever scars your body carries is not the same as what your spirit goes. This is why when people think, they look at certain people and they're like, oh, they're so holy. They're so spiritually mature and they're so righteous. It's like, oh man, one day I'll get there. One day I'll get there. And it's like, let's, let's understand something. Just because you see an outward appearance. Because there are people that are spiritual on the outside. But on the inside, they told God no. On the inside, God said, I'll put you with this, and this is where I want you to work, and this is where I want you to help. And they're like, no. I got another, I'll go do something else. And people see it, don't, don't understand it. They don't know what it is because it's not outside. See, if you caught somebody in the sin of adultery, you can pin that one on somebody. But when you are talking about the sin of rebellion and the things that God hates, he calls rebellion witchcraft. So you already know he ain't feeling it. So just because you can't see it doesn't make a person more righteous, more godly. (laughs) So let's go to... um, Let's go to Galatians 1. For the sake of time, let's go to John 20, verse 17. Now let's go back. Let's go back to um, John. Let's go to John 20, verse 8. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and did what? Keep going. 
For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from. Here they are showing up to embalm Jesus. And he's gone. And the Bible says they didn't even know that he died for a reason. Now, the reason why this is important is because a lot of times people, as they study their word, first of all, let me say it this way. When you find someone who spends all of their time in the Old Testament with the feasts and the types and the shadows and they spend all of their time there, you do understand there's a likelihood that they'll get off. Because we're not Old Testament I was talking to somebody of a, of a particular denomination and they said, we're Old Testament Christians. And I said, well, please help me understand how you pulled that off. Because, you know, to me, that's, that's like saying, you know, I am a New Testament uh, or a, I'm an a, a old dog in a cat's body. You're either a cat or a dog. You either fish or, you know, you're, you are what you are. You can't be an Old Testament Christian. There's nothing more diametrically opposed than the Old Testament and the New Testament. So when people relate to everything Old Testament, everything is Old Testament. I'm not talking about studying it. You've got to study it. Because the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. But the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And if you don't bring it through the cross... You're off in error. It's simple. So, so then when you find people that everything's about the Jewish this and, 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 and Hebrew and blah, 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 they're, usually they're going, it's just a matter of time. They're going to get off. Because Satan would love nothing better than to deal with you as an Old Testament saint. Because as an Old Testament saint, you don't even know why Jesus died. So then when you move into the epistles, they're the letters to you to tell you why. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell you what? They're chronological. They tell you exactly what happened. They're historical accounts. But the rest of the epistles in the New Testament explain to you why. And even they didn't know up until Jesus died why he was there. And when you don't understand your position in him, then you are going to struggle with what's been made available to you. So let's go to um, verse 17, John 20, 17. So Jesus saith unto her, touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father, But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father to my God. And he is telling her that we have a covenant. And the covenant is I will be your God and you will be my people. He's telling her, you can't touch me because I have yet to make my sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Hebrews 9.12, I believe. Let's put that up there real quick. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his, he entered once into the, having obtained what? 
So the way you became a new creature is when he said to her, I haven't gone to the holy place yet. So I am a, a lamb without spot. You cannot touch me. Only the high priest can touch me. This is why Jesus had to submit himself to Caiaphas as the high to slaughter the lamb. Because only a high priest can slaughter a lamb as a sacrifice acceptable. This is why the Bible says that if they had knew what they were doing, it would have done it. So here Jesus says, don't touch me yet because I got to go and pay this price for you and sprinkle my blood on the mercy seat, obtaining redemption for you so that you would now come into covenant where my father now becomes and my God now becomes now we are in covenant together because then remember when Thomas came Thomas said I won't believe until I touch you he said handle me he said you know I'm, I, I have no problem now I've already paid the price for you I've already set you free I've already translated you out of darkness into the kingdom of light I've already made you a new creature I've already done what it is I came to do it's a wrap. So then at that point, you are now redeemed. So that means that to have the remission of sins and to be redeemed means that whatever you did is done. It's over with. Are you understanding? It's finite. There's no uh, potential to change that. It's over. So then... When he says by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for whom? Say me. me. So then let's go to 1 John 3, 7. Notice what he says, little, let no man deceive you. He that doeth even, I want you to understand something. One of the greatest fights you'll ever face is your ability to approach God as a righteous person. And the problem with righteousness is that you think righteousness means that I do good things. You think that. Because if you look up righteousness in the dictionary, it says a person who does the right things. And you've taught yourself that your definition of righteousness is I got it right all the time. So... Um, do me a favor. That's your son, right? That's your son, correct? Can you stand up for just a second? Stand up. When did he become your son? When? So, how old are you now? 13? 14. Are you still her son? 
When did he become your son? Okay. If you are 80 and he is however old, is he still your son? Will he ever not be your son? Okay. Thank you. Please sit down. So, he became your son one more time when he was born. When he was born. So then, when he was born again, he became her son. There is no changing to say a person is righteous. It doesn't mean you do good things. It means you are in right standing or relationship with God. And the moment he was born, he became her son. If he's on the moon, he is still her son. See, numbers, integers, numbers are called integers. That, that word integer comes from integrity. Integrity means it's the same thing no matter where it is. So if I have a number one and I put it on the moon, it's still number one. So if we put him on the moon, he is still her son. If we put him in the Sahara Desert, he is still her son. He became her son, not because one day I'll be as pious and as spiritual. One day, I just, man, I just love listening to Brother Wayne pray because he just, he, he's got it, you know. And, and one day, I'm going to. And you approach God as if one day you will be his child. When the moment you became his child, whether you're a good one or a bad one, whether you're a nice one or a mean one, whether you're a perfect one or a not perfect one, the moment you became his child and you became righteous in his eyes was the moment you were born again unto him. So now you are his child and you have his righteousness. Look at Job 1.1 real quick. Job 1.1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. That man was and, and one that feared and eschewed evil. There was none other in the land as righteous as Job. Yet how could Job have been perfect? Job offered sacrifices all the time for his sons because he was afraid. He not only did he fear God, but he's afraid of consequence. So he wasn't really a man of faith. And he's Old Testament. But yet he's righteous. And they give you the definition of righteous. He was perfect. And upright. One that did what? And. You know what a shoot means? It means it don't mean he chewed on it. It means he hated it. So you mean to tell me that I can do things that are wrong and hate it and still be right standing. As long as I hate it. But the moment I make my righteousness 
of a faculty or a outcome of my abilities, then I have to deal with God according to who I am, which with that means prior to being born again, which means that when I pray from a position of expecting God to remember all of my craziness, he can't even hear me because I ain't his child. So when your son was young, little baby, and he cried, if there was 10 kids in a room, did you know which one was yours? How'd you do that? And you wonder why when you cry, he can't hear it because you're still waiting for the day. But when a mother knows her child, when a father knows his child, the moment you cry out and you are not crying out because you've earned it. You are not crying out because something you did was right. You are right standing with him at this very moment. You will live. You will die. You will get to heaven and you will still be no more righteous in heaven than you are right this very moment. And if you begin to get that in your spirit, because what happens when you, you know, when all hell breaks loose, right? And, and something goes wrong. Before you come to God, the first thing starts going through your mind is, I did this to myself. Why should God even step in on this one? I knew better. And then Satan gets in your ear. You know you're a clown, right? You know God's up there ticked off with you right now, right? And you're going to go pray and ask him for something? You sure got a lot of nerve. And then he keeps working you and working you and working you until the point where you blink and you ain't been born again anymore. You back to an old creature. Never having realized it doesn't matter the mistakes you've made. It does, that's why Paul said, I forget those things which are behind. And I press towards the mark. Because if I get reminded of the craziness and all the stuff that I did wrong, I can't come boldly before the throne. I can't come to God and know that He is. I don't even have a right to if I'm going to approach Him as me. Look at uh, Matthew, <coughs> Matthew, First uh, Peter two twenty four. I, I recently saw a message on Facebook um, from somebody I've known a long time. I mean, a long time. And uh, their, their statement is, I'm just waiting for a manifestation of my healing. And, 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 there's, and every time I've had a conversation with them, and I'm talking, I've known, I've known them personally for 12, easily probably about 12 years, over a decade. It's always, it's 12 years ago. It was, just plenty of opportunities to believe God. I'm waiting on my manifestation. And people use things like this, 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on a tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness. 
by whose stripes you were healed. And they take that and say, that's a promise. That's a promise. That's a promise, right? Yeah. No. I messed with you. I did it on purpose. It's not. It's not a promise. That's a statement of fact. A promise would be in my future. He didn't say you will be. He said you were. So, so, so if I came to you and I said, listen, I got a $100 bill and I'm going to give it to you tomorrow. That's a promise. If you call me and say I need $100 and I say, I gave you $100. That is not a promise. That's a statement of fact. So when you put whatever you're believing for in the future, Satan would love nothing more than to keep it in your future. And you will die short having come behind Because he'll keep it in your future to keep it out of your hands. Because you don't operate past, present, and future. You operate in the... But God operates in... So when God reveals things to you out of your future, it is now. It belongs to you now. And if Satan can keep you locked in the present then you will never get to where God is trying to take you because you are too consumed Satan got you out the real fight and put you in the wrong one and then people wonder well why isn't my faith working for me you ain't in the right fight is there a fight yes is it easy? No. But one thing's for sure. I don't want to be fighting the wrong person. And then win and then go, oh, you did, kind of, you did kind of win. I mean, you did win, right? However, you went 12 rounds with the wrong dude. So now you have to go 12 rounds with the... I'm like, you know what? I'm done. I quit. <laughs> and every time you miss it, and not realize you are not waiting. <clears throat> I have explained this to him blue in the face, and I still hear every, every so often I, I catch a post or something, and it's, we're still waiting. You are not going to reach a place of spiritual growth that you now have a better position with God than you did the moment you were saved. Because if you could earn a better position with God, you could have earned your first position with God. I am just as right standing with Him the day I was born again as I am today. And there is no scriptural reference that says you can grow other than Go back, where, where do I have you? Uh, as a man is righteous, he is. Uh, second, or first John 2, what is it? Put that up there, please. Thank you for remembering that. Let's see. 
It is 1 John 3, 7. 1 John 3, 7. <clears throat> Little children, let no man deceive you. Now watch what he says. He that doeth righteousness is even as he is. Okay, so when you see even, even means equal to or in proportion to. So then, little children, he's speaking to believers. Can't be a child of God if you ain't a believer, right? Little children, let no man deceive you. He that does righteousness is righteous in the proportion of his understanding of what righteous is. So then, if you have somebody who, for example, uh, they gave uh, our, our current president, the, the previous president, all spiritual people want to give them a hard time for their knowledge of what they know in a, from a godly perspective. So they want to say, well, when, for example, when Donald Trump said it's uh, 2 Corinthians, it ain't 2 Corinthians, it's 2 Corinthians. A person can only be righteous as he has a revelation of his righteousness. So then, well, how could this person be a believer? How could the current president be a believer and the things that they're doing? You have not gotten it through your head yet. That if they don't have a revelation of what that means, they can only be as righteous as their revelation. But that doesn't change their position with God. It changes their behavior in the sight of God. So when you see her and she's dressed a certain way and all the old heads are like, oh dear God, why is she dressed like that? She has a revelation of her righteousness for right now. Leave her alone. As she grows, she will get a different revelation of what's acceptable and what isn't. Because the truth of the matter is, if you keep judging her, that shows you have no revelation of your righteousness. I can't believe he did. Can you believe what he did? He did this and he did that. So what? He still as stupid as he may have been, as dumb as he may have acted, he is still in the sight of God, God's child. The moment he was born again, he went into relationship with God. He is right standing with him. Now, does his behavior reflect his revelation of righteousness? Yes, it does. But should it be better? Probably. But that's what you grow in. And so I'm, I, I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again because this is the point of why I keep telling the story. Juanita Bynum was talking about her sister. Her sister was strung out on drugs. And they didn't know where she was. And her sister's son got very sick on his deathbed in the hospital. And so they finally found her in the streets and told her, you better go see your son. He's about to die. She went to her mother's house cleaned herself up. She's on the street. Official. You know what I'm talking about? Official. Strung out. Got herself together. Got herself cleaned up. Then went to the hospital. Climbed under the hospital bed. 
that her son is laying in and began to call out and command the devils and the demons that were attacking his physical body and began to do war. And the moment she did that, he was healed and rised up off of his deathbed and she went back to crack. Quit thinking that your life is a measure of what you do. Your righteousness with God has nothing to do with your behavior. You were made in right standing with Him. Now, if you have an unrepentant heart, because a lot of people love evil, and that's the problem. They think they're believers, but they don't hate evil. See, see, a person can struggle with their sexuality and hate it. And they think something's wrong with that until they start to love it. And then once they love it, they think, oh, see, I've found my place. No, you didn't find your place. You were wrestling. God was working on you. When you hated it, that was a good sign. That was a sign that God's working on the inside of you and you hated evil. But now you have given yourself over to it. Now you want to say, well, no, you are not doing well with the things of God. You will not inherit the promises. Are you seeing the difference? And this is where most believers get messed up. It's a weapon that fights their faith. So now they're thinking to themselves, why would God heal me? You know what kind of wretch I am? You know the kind of mistakes I made? You know the stupidity I've done? You know how many times I've been married? You know I'm short, my feet stink, I don't love Jesus. I mean, Whatever. People run down the list of all the things of your pedigree as if God is doing a job interview. So before you get in front of him and make your request, you're reading off your resume. Well, Lord, I did this for you. And I did this for you. And I did this for you. And God's like, oh, okay. I didn't know. (laughs) Thanks for reminding me. Uh, What are you here for? And by the time you have ran down the list of your pedigree and Satan has inserted his nonsense, by the time you get to the end, you're like, you know what? Never mind. I'll be okay. I'll figure it out. And then you walk away and God's like, what in the world was that all about? Or you come to him and you start reminding him of all the stuff you did. Well, God, you know, I I did this when I was 10. I did this when I was 20. I did this. He's like, Really? I I don't know. Because I blotted that out for my own sake. The Bible says he removed your transgression as far as the east is from the west. You will never go west and end up east. No matter where you go, it will always still be west. If you go that way, it's still that way. You cannot get that way by going that way. And he removed it from you for that reason. But when you struggle with this, this is what will keep your faith from working. Because every time something looks wrong, you'll start reminding yourself, see, why would I even, why would I even be crazy enough to think God would bless me? I'm such a this, I'm such a that. The moment your promise gets delayed, the moment something goes south, the moment something doesn't look right, you will start at Satan. And Satan is firing those arrows. Yeah, you're a mess up. You think God's going to do this for you? All the while behind him is exactly what God is doing and is going to do because it's already done. So he steps in front of him and says, let me, here, take this one. 
You ain't getting that. It's not coming. You know you're a mess up. You know you done screwed up. Here, here's another one. Mm. Pay attention to the fiery darts and lose sight of your promise. But the moment you realize that your shield of faith will quench those fiery darts, the moment you realize it has nothing to do with you, it is a gift. Let me prove it to you. Y'all don't got me preaching up in here. Look at uh, Ephesians 1 6. Ephesians. To the praise and glory of his grace, wherein he has made us what? You know what accepted is? You know, as a kid, you spend all your life trying to be accepted somewhere, right? When you're in school, you got different groups of people, so you try to find where you fit. Let me help you with something, okay? I I want y'all to just trust me for a minute, and I'm going to describe something to you, and I just want you to think about it. People who are called, called of God, typically don't fit anywhere and never have even as kids they could get along they could go along to get along they've learned how to morph themselves and fit but they never really fit and they knew it who am I talking to now watch this who am I talking to (laughs) see I know my assignment I know what I'm supposed to do. I know the people that are called to me. There are people who are called. How do I know what it is? Because it was me. I never fit. I, I don't understand why. I thought there was something wrong with me. I really did. I thought something was wrong with me. I could get in, I could get in where I fit in. I could hang with the, with, with, the, with the fellas and the jocks. I could hang with the nerds. I could, I, could, I could fit anywhere. But I never fit. And I knew I never fit. And I thought I was just something wrong with me. No, the problem is that God needs people who don't fit because you can't disrupt what you fit. You can't disrupt what you agree with. Anyway, that was free for you. He made us accepted. You know what accepted means? You're accepted. In the what? Verse 7. In whom we have, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of how'd you get it? <clears throat> the open book test. Let's go back to verse 6. To the praise and the glory of His grace wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved in whom we have redemption through the According to, so how'd you get it? Through his blood. Whose blood? So when'd you get it? So then, what are you waiting to get? Best I can tell, that already happened. 
If it didn't, tell me, because we got a problem. But if it already happened, what are we waiting on? And you didn't get it because you were cute. You didn't get it because you were good. You didn't get it because you were. So let's look at um, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Second <coughs> Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if any man be, he's a new creature. Old things passed. Behold, all things. Verse eighteen. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by who hath reconciled us to himself also when just take the by and put a when in just go with me who hath reconciled us to himself when so then when were you reconciled how were you reconciled so then it has absolutely nothing to do with you and then he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation. For God so loved the that he gave his. Is the world saved? Everybody in the world is saved. Every one of them. That person you can't stand, they're saved. That person you, it rubs you the wrong way, they're saved. That person that's plotting on you, hating on you, talking bad about you. That the person that hurts you, they're saved. Do they know it? So then if she offers me the pen and I don't know that, do I have the pen? So then they're still going to hell if they don't know it. But that doesn't make the difference of saying they're not saved. Because technically they are saved. They just don't know it. And because they don't know it, they'll never walk in it. So then he gives you who is saved, the ministry, the job of reconciling those who don't know to him who has already. That's why the only requirement is that you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You don't have to do anything because it's already done so you have one job not to clean the fish before you catch them quit talking about what people did didn't do how they think don't think how they act don't act your job ain't to clean i have never cleaned a fish before i caught it you have got to catch the fish bring it in in order to gut it and clean it so then if we have the ministry of reconciliation he's given it to us verse 19 to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So when Jesus died on the cross, he died for that crackhead. When Jesus died on the cross, he still died for the one who hurts you. Yeah. 
When he died on the cross, he died for the one who's still been talking bad about you. And not imputing their weaknesses, their trespasses, their iniquities, their frailties, their problems, their issues. Not imputing them. Because in order to impute any one of those things, I can't reconcile you. You've got to understand the holy God. You can't be reconciled to me if you're crazy like you are. Even if you took a paper clip, you can't be reconciled to a holy God, one who cannot lie, one who cannot sin. You can't be reconciled to him. So therefore, your righteousness is filthy rags, as the Bible says. Filthy rags. I don't care how upright you think you've been. I don't care how great you think you've been. That's why when people say, are you saved? And they say, well, I'm, I'm a good person. You can be a good person going to a very hot hell. Whether you're good or not, you can do good things. You can give to charity. And still be sitting in hell, sweating. There's one thing. His name is Jesus. And if you believe in him, those that believe in him shall not, but have. You starting to get it? Okay, good. Let's put 519 in the Amplified Classic, please. <clears throat> it was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor. God, I love that. You know what favor is? Favor is when somebody likes you. <laughs> Can I tell you something? We uh, we moved into our house. It was a it was a uh, when we moved in it was a rental, and um, my father owned properties before. My father owned an apartment building. He owned multiple homes, so I grew up in the landlord world, right? And this is why I never wanted to be a landlord personally, but I will because I'm going to have multiple properties. But <clears throat> I just have never been a fan of that because I know what it, it's like. So <clears throat> when we first moved in, he called us and he said, um, you know, if you need anything, just let us know and we'll, we'll get taken care of. I said, okay, I appreciate that. So I would send him a message and i say, hey, you know, the garbage disposal went out, but I just bought another one. Here's a receipt for the warranty just in case, you know, if we're not, we're moving out or whatever in a year or whatever case our lease term is, you can have it for the next tenant. He's like, you bought that yourself? Yeah. He calls me, he says, there's a tree in the backyard, mesquite tree. It's growing up underneath the, the patio where our pool is. And it's kind of starting to lift the patio up. He says, I, I'm thinking about taking it out. And I said, I think you should. You don't want to leave something in here because we like it and do damage to the property. This is your house. So take it out. He's like, you sure? I said, absolutely. What am I doing? I'm garnering favor. I'm telling you, people have no idea how to garner favor with someone. You do something nice for them, they're disrespectful. 
They can't even give you a card and say thank you. It's like it's like they, it's owed to them. And they don't understand that favor is what gets you to the place. When I called him, he said, I'm thinking about selling the house. All these things that I did, I never hit him with a bill. I think we hit him one time because he told us under warranty. The entire, I think it was two or three years we lived there, I never asked him to do anything. I'm a tenant. They ain't my house. But I'm living in it like it's... <clears throat> so when he says, I want to sell it, I'm like, you know, I think I know somebody wants to buy it. And then when I say, well, you carry the part of the mortgage for me, I have enough... I am telling you how people, if you could learn something, particularly this next generation, you better learn how to gain, garner favor with people. Because the way they handle things, I have never seen such disrespect. <clears throat> it is amazing to me. Absolutely amazing. We were taught certain things. I was talking to, um, who is it, Japa? Is he here? Japa? No. Um, I was talking to him on Sunday, and he said, he said, that's old school. And I said, yeah, I know, because I'm old school. I was raised old school. I'm old school. I think old school ways. Somebody does something, I would never give a card with nothing in it. I don't care if I had to, because, you know, I don't know about y'all, y'all married, but my parents' generation, you didn't give a wallet or a purse with no money in it. You always put something in it. Even if it's just a dollar, put a quarter in it, something. It's got to cost you something to be worth something. <laughs> oh, you know, listen, the Bible says that words don't matter. You could, ren you could render God useless by the tradition of your words. So your words don't make it. But see, we, we, we live in a society where we have participation trophies. Well, at least I did something. Listen, okay, that's great, but it, it, for real? You found the cheapest card you could find. Came in a pack of 30. <laughs> and got the audacity, unmitigated gold, put nothing in it. And everybody's supposed to be, oh, that's so wonderful. Stop. Thank you. I love you too. So then favor, Right? Restoring the world to favor with himself. What does favor with him mean? Favor means that when you come and ask him for a favor. I've given people cars, y'all, and have never gotten a thank you or a proper one. Nothing. Like almost like it was owed. And then when crazy stuff happens. I wonder what's going on. You dis you handled the gift improperly. You don't understand how to handle the gift. And you didn't understand how to handle the giver. So since you didn't care nothing, never mind. Watch what he says. Not counting up and holding there, but just temporarily if you call me and you owe me $1,000 and I say I just canceled the debt and you call me back a month later, do you still owe it to me? Because I... So then why do people not understand 
He's not counting them up. He's not holding them against you. He canceled them. The bill has been canceled. So therefore, whatever bill you owe that's been canceled, if you want to send me the money, I'll be more than happy <laughs> to help you feel better about what you owe since you just have to pay it. And committing to us the message of reconciliation. And that message is the restoration to How can you sit there and stare at me like an old cow looking at a new fence? The message of restoration is that you have been restored to favor. That means everywhere I go, favor has gone before me. Every situation I'm in, favor has made a way. Before I even got there, I've been restored to favor with him. He says, you need what? Got it. You need what? Done. I, whatever you need, you are in favor with me. You want me to carry a second? I'll do it. Not only did I pay, I, I asked for two years. I paid it off in one. You think if I ever called him again and said, hey, you want to do another deal? You think he'd do it? See, people don't understand integrity. They don't understand uprightness. And when the way you handle things is an indication of what God can trust you with. But when you begin to understand what favor really is, I walk in favor. I would be concerned if I were you to do wrong things to me. I ain't going to speak for you. I'm going to speak for myself. But what I'm telling you about me, you should be saying about you. I would be concerned for the people who do you wrong. Not because you're going to do anything to them. I ain't going to do a thing to you. I'm going to let the Lord. <laughs> Lord have mercy. I got five more pages. We'll figure it out. Father God, we just thank you. We're so grateful. Lord, as you're giving us an understanding of what righteousness really means, that it means to be in right standing with you. We were made in right standing with you the moment we were born again. We don't get any more of it. We are in position with you the moment we accepted the sacrifice that was made for us. The moment Jesus' blood was shed for us. And you have given us a ministry to make sure that people know that we have been restored unto favor. That we've been redeemed from unreasonable and wicked men. Your word says that we're surrounded with favor as with a shield. That in every situation we go, your hand is upon us. Your anointing is in us. Your anointing is on us. Father, we've missed it. We've missed it where we thought it was about us. And we're coming to the realization that of the position that we have with you so that our faith can grow exceedingly. So that we can come boldly before the throne.
not in of ourselves. Because the beautiful part is when you see us, you see the blood. When you look at us, you see the blood. Every situation, we can plead the blood. And you'll see us in the righteousness that you've given us. We thank you, Father. We praise you. We give you all glory and honor. These things we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Sure do love you guys. Um, we will be here uh, Thursday, Friday. We'll be here Friday. Um, I don't think we'll be here Saturday, right? Construction will be here Saturday, correct? Uh, we'll be here, they'll be here Friday and Saturday. And then we'll be here Thursday and Friday. So if you're, you got some time, willing to help with some of the stuff that we're doing, uh, please reach out to Felicity, reach out to Joe, and um, we'll get you plugged in because we're still working through a lot of renovations and stuff. And I think you guys are going to be shocked at the final product. It's going to be amazing. So we're super excited where we're going. Amen.